we're looking at five of the here I am statements that are recorded for us in scripture. Uh, each of them have are coming from a slightly different context and some of them are, are different from that perspective but there's certainly a lot of similarities between them all. Similarities that I believe should encourage us to consider if we are really intent on obedience to God's call, the call that he places on our life, allowing for us the differences in these things, that we take that on board, that there are not going to be all the same kinds of calls for all of us, that God's call on our life will vary according to our circumstances and our understanding and our spiritual maturity and the things that we find ourselves, the conditions that we find ourselves in today. And today we're going to be looking at Moses' call, the call that God places on Moses on Mount Sinai. And we pick up the story while he is out on the, in the desert, in the wilderness, on this mountain with his father's Jethro's sheep. He was a long way from home, the scriptures tell us, but he was really just out doing what he regularly does. He was out doing his everyday work. He was a shepherd. And Moses would have been used to camping out or spending time, extended time, away from home. He was looking after the flocks and he was married at this point in time. He'd married a lady called Zephorah and he also had two sons by this time. One was Gershom and the other was Eliezer. And that's where we pick up the story. He's out in the wilderness and God speaks to him in a mighty way. So let's pick up the story in Exodus 3, looking at verse 1. It says, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian. And he led the flock to the back of the desert and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from the midst of a bush. So he looked, and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. And then Moses said, I'll now turn aside and see this great sight, why the bush does not burn. So when the Lord saw that he had turned aside to look, God called him in the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses. <clears throat> and he said, here am I. Moses is out doing what he always does. He regularly done. He's done this for years, many years. In fact, the scriptures tell us he's done it for 40 years. When suddenly this strange sight of a burning bush that is on fire but not being consumed catches his attention. And I want us to take there right at the very first, at the outset of this, this is our first point that God gets his attention. What I find reassuring here is that Moses wasn't even looking for interaction with God at this point in time. He was doing what he was supposed to be doing. He was out tending his father-in-law's sheep. He was out doing what he regularly did. But look where he is physically. The scriptures tell us that he was a long way off and that he was at the back of the desert. Now, we've spoken many times about how God will sometimes lead us into the desert or wilderness experiences to get our attention and I'm confident that God's intention here is just that, that Moses was led to this place at this particular point in time, even though he was doing what he regularly did, 
so that God might be able to get his attention, even though Moses wasn't specifically looking for God at all. And the very reason that Moses is out there in the first place is that because 40 years earlier, he had recognised, Moses knew that he was called by God to be a leader in Israel. And it made him do some things 40 years earlier that he, where he took things into his own hand. He killed an, an Egyptian thinking that he was doing the right thing, but someone saw him and he was discovered that he did it and he ran for his life to the land of Midian where he met this man Jethro, married his daughter Zephora, and the rest is history as they say. So years later, 40 years later, Moses is still away from his people. He's still living with his father-in-law and his sons and his wife, working for his father-in-law, and he finds himself today out in the wilderness doing his thing, the thing that he's trained to do for the last 40 years, looking after his sheep. We need to recognise, and I think most of us do, that the wilderness is a very lonely place at times. And I wonder if that's what it was going to take for God to get Moses' attention. God created right at this moment an extraordinary situation that required Moses to actually stop what he was doing and redirect his attention to something different. And my point today, as I go through this today, I want us to ask ourselves some questions. I'm going to ask you some questions as we go through. And the first question I want to put to you here is, are you in a place where you will recognize God's call if it comes? If God calls you, will you are you in the right place or in a place where God can actually get your attention? Do you feel like you're treading water? Are you finding that every day is like the day before? It's the same as what tomorrow is likely to be. Maybe you're even lacking motivation to get up in the morning and try something at all because it's just been the same day in, day out, and it's boring. Has the past year been a year where you would found yourselves working from home and, and in isolation and being kept separated from what rest of society is all about? Questioning what is really important. And, and many have worked from home. And many have spent more time with family this year than perhaps we have ever had the opportunity to. And we've been isolated from the rest of the world in a way this year that we, it's been many, many hundreds of years perhaps since that's been the case. Maybe you haven't even really been looking for a special encounter with God, but you're here today. You're listening, you're watching, you're being part of what is being spoken about right at this moment in time. I want to suggest to you that if that is you, if you are in any of those situations or maybe a myriad of others, you may well be in a place where God can get your attention, where he needs you to be in order to get your attention, where he wants you to be in a place where he can get your attention. So often we complain about the circumstances, even complaining to God about things and uh, that he has allowed a particular thing to take place or a particular person to do some particular thing. 
We, we don't like that sometimes these things come into our life and we might even ask God to take them out of our life. Fix it for us. We pray that God will take it away, get us away, get us out of it or help us to make sure that we get through it quickly. But what if God were actually using this time to get your attention? What if the isolation, what if the, the situation that you find yourself right in right now is not about just a test to get through, but what if it's a moment in your life where God is wanting to get your attention? Are you in a place where you will hear God if he calls? Would you stop long enough worrying about all the things that are taking place? Would you take yourself out just long enough to hear God rather than to continue to complain about what he needs to be doing? Moses was out in the wilderness doing his regular work, doing what he was supposed to be doing. He was looking after his father-in-law's sheep. And God stepped into his world at that moment in time in a, in a rather miraculous way. I believe that God has a plan for every single one of us. I believe that God wants us to know that. He wants us to know that he is interested in what is going on in our lives at any particular point in time. It all isn't always clear what that plan is. But I want to suggest to you today that God is not wanting to keep that plan a secret from you. He wants us to know that he has a plan for us. He wants us to seek him out. Jeremiah 29 tells us, If you look for me wholeheartedly, this is the Lord speaking, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I believe that we need to be careful in, even in the drudgery of life when things seem boring and, and just going over and over in the same thing day in, day out in our daily work that we become or remain attentive to God's voice. We need to be looking to see what God is doing around us, listening to conversations where people might ask us, begin to ask us about spiritual matters I would suggest that if people ask you or talk to you about spiritual matters God is at work right there we need to be careful that we don't allow the distractions of this world the the problems that we see the busyness of work the busyness of family the 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 obstructions that come in that hinder those things even to prevent us from seeing where God is working and where God wants us to be working as well. He wants us to move to join him in the work that he is doing. And you see, the thing is, God is always at work. He's at work right now. He's at work around us. He's doing his work, even if we're not aware of his presence and the work that is taking place. And we often miss those moments because we are busy or we're kept distracted. When God tries to get our attention, rather than seeing it as a God moment, we see it as a problem. 
Maybe God has brought those things into your life. It may not be a burning bush, but maybe it's something that has caught your attention. But rather than hearing the voice of God, we just hear a complaint or recognize a problem. Maybe it was that gift that you should have bought someone. Maybe it was that phone call that you should have made. Maybe it was that time that you should have actually pulled over and stopped and helped somebody. Maybe that conversation that you actually cut short because you were just too busy. Maybe God has done something in your life, but just right now, we are not in a place where we can hear God because we have got our thoughts and minds distracted. God is at work around us even now. But the question is, are we in a place where we will be able to recognize the call when he calls, when it comes? Would we even know if God were trying to get our attention? But God captures Moses' attention by this burning bush. And God speaks out of this burning bush. And look at Moses' response as we read on. He said in verse 5, Then he said, Do not draw near the place. Take, off your, take your sandals off your feet, for the place where you stand is holy ground. Moreover, he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, and the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look upon God. I find this really interesting that the very first response when Moses recognizes or hears the voice of God, his first response is to hide his face. Now, why might that have been? I know some will say that's because of the reverence of God and the authority of God, and I think that's true. I, I will deal with that in just a minute, but I think there is also another reason why Moses may very well have hidden his face at that particular point in time. Perhaps he'd remembered that 40 years ago that he'd failed God and he was embarrassed to face God again, that he was concerned about what God might be wanting to say to him. Perhaps he was thinking that God had finally caught up with him 40 years on. Maybe he remembered that he had tried following God in his own strength and he'd failed and he was ashamed to even face God. Maybe it was even to do with that. Perhaps he was worried what God was going to do now that he'd caught up with him. Perhaps they're all true. But I do believe the primary reason, the number one reason why Moses hid his face is because the presence of God demands reverence. It really does. Every time you find an angel of the Lord presented in Scripture, every single time an angel of the Lord appears to a human being, their immediate response is fear, bowing down, falling flat. Every single time their first response is to fall down before him. And Moses, I believe, hid his face because he knew that he could not even look upon the face of God. He couldn't even begin to look at the holiness of God. And survive. In fact, it was later on, 
He may not have known it right at this moment in time, but he did certainly know this later on because he, God actually told him that exact phrase. In, in Exodus 33, he says, You cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. And I think Moses instinctively knew the authority and the power and the reverence and the glory of God were way too much for him to even look and he hid his face. He instinctively hid his face. And not only that, he took off his sandals that God had commanded because he was standing on holy ground. Now, I, I asked you before if you would no, if you were in a place, would you even know if God were trying to call you? If he was trying to get your attention, would you, would you know that? Here's the second question I want you to do. Do you give him the reverence that he deserves? And what does that reverence look like anyway? I wonder if in our culture... Because we've grown up in a time of grace, a time where God's grace is extended to us, that we know we can come before the throne of God. In fact, we're encouraged through the writer of Hebrews. In Hebrews 4, it says we can come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I wonder whether this boldness at times that we can come to God with has caused us to be complacent in our relationship with God. That we feel that we can just treat him with too much familiarity. I wonder whether we do that at times. We come to church and we just are familiar. Don't hear me wrong. I, I really do believe that God wants us to come to him just as we are. He wants us to come to him. He wants to have a relationship with us. I believe that Jesus Christ so that we would, came, came so that we would know that we could come into the very presence of God. That we would know that we can have a personal love relationship with God that's real. And we could survive. But there are times when I believe that the familiarity and complacency that we have in our society and in our lives can sometimes cause us to behave in ways that are inappropriate when we come before Almighty God, our all-knowing, all-present God who loves us and cares for us. And while I am absolutely confident that God will accept us however we come, Anyone who comes genuinely, God will accept. We need to be careful that as we get to know God, that we give him the reverence that he deserves. That we don't just allow him to become familiar. We treat him just as a friend. He's much more than that. We need to keep a close check on, on our attitude when we come to him in prayer or when we come to him in times of worship that we are praying before almighty god that we are singing songs of praise to our creator god that he alone is worthy that we should never be ashamed to raise our hands in worship 
We should never be ashamed to kneel before the throne of God. It doesn't matter what others are doing. It doesn't matter how others react. But when we come into the throne room of God, when we come into our worship experience, we need to recognize that it is God who deserves all reverence and praise. So again, the second question is, do we really honor God and worship him with reverence? Because Moses hears God and hides his face even before he knows he needs to take his sandals off. Let us come to God with thankfulness. Psalm 95 says, let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us joyful, come, shout joyfully to him with psalms. For the Lord is a great God and the great King above all gods. So why would God try and get our attention? Because he wants us to experience his work. He wants us to experience his presence. He wants us to join him in the work that he's doing. He wants us to experience what it means to do the work that God has for us. Which brings me to the third point for today, and that is that God invites us to become involved with him in his work. Look at what God asks of Moses. Verse 7, it says, And the Lord says, I have surely seen the oppression of my people who are in Egypt, and have heard their cry because of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. So I have come down to deliver them out of the land of the Egyptians and to bring them up from the land to a good and large land, to a land flowing with milk and honey, to the place of the Canaanite and the Hittite and the Amorite and the Pezzarite, Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. Now therefore, behold, the cry of the children of Israel has come to me, and I've also seen the oppression with which the Egyptians oppress them. Come now, therefore, and I will send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Okay, God has got Moses' attention, certainly. Because what he was saying is that he was wanting Moses to be involved in the work that he had for him in leading. He wanted Moses to be the one who would lead God's people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And when Moses originally said, here am I, I wonder, I just wonder if he realized how great of a moment that was going to be. I wonder if he really understood what here I am meant. Because last week we talked about here I am means total commitment. I wonder, even just for a moment, if he understood even a portion of that. I'm sure that he felt inadequate. We realize that pretty quickly in a moment. But I wonder if God's invitation to Moses at this point in time really hit home. If facing Pharaoh wasn't enough, he was also going to be responsible for perhaps well over a million people. And God's invitation to Moses at this moment in time for a, was for a complete trust in him. And that is all God was calling him to do. He was saying, Moses, I've got a job for you. 
All you need to do is to trust me. I want you to lead my people out of Egypt. God's invitation to Moses called for a complete trust in God at that moment in time and a willingness to give up what he was perhaps comfortable with and go where God was calling him to go. So question number three, how willing are we to ready or how willing are we to make major adjustments in our life in readiness to join God in what he's doing? How willing are we ready to give up what we're comfortable with in order to follow God in what he's calling us to go with? If you're not happy where you are and God gives you the opportunity to do something else, the choice isn't really that difficult because you're not happy where you are anyway. Anything that God gives you is probably going to be better. But what happens when God calls you out of a place that you are happy in, that you're comfortable in, that you're secure in? What happens when he calls you out of a place where you're financially stable, your family is surrounding you, your work is sufficiently providing for you, your health is adequate and you've got medical help if needed nearby. You have everything you need. What if you have all those things and you're not looking to make any major changes in your life? What if God suddenly shows up and says, I'm going to call you. I have a job I want you to join me for. My guess is that that decision is probably going to be where you are going to have to, to have a very conscious choice to make. That you are going to have at that point, there, are going to be, uh, there is going to be a crisis of belief for you. Do I believe what God wants me to do or am I comfortable in staying with what I want to do? But the problem is that the decision you make at that particular point in time is going to have eternal consequences for you and even perhaps for those of your family and friends around you. That calls for a major adjustment in our thinking and perhaps even in the way that we live. And I'm confident at this moment in time that when God calls us out of our comfort, out of our security, and he calls us to go and be prepared to do what he wants us to do, that very few of us will recognize the readiness that we already have in our life because God will, I am confident, have already prepared you for the task ahead. It may be in the way that you've worked. It may be in the things that you've learned. It may be in the experiences that you've had in life. And Moses, at this moment in time, I'm confident, as you read on, you will discover that Moses is actually being prepared even while he is tending his father-in-law's sheep in this land. And as I said earlier, Mount Horeb is the same as Mount Sinai. And God led Moses back through that exact same area just a short while later, bringing over a million people through there. God was preparing him. And incidentally, God was preparing the Israelites as well. 
Scriptures tell us in 1 Thessalonians 5, it says, He who calls you is faithful and he will do it. It doesn't say at that point that you have to know you're ready. In fact, it implies quite the opposite. But when God calls us, he will bring it to completion. He will fulfill that which he has called us to do. Paul reminds us of that in Philippians 1. It says we need to be confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in us will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. He will not start something in us and not bring us through or to see it through to completion in us. That ought to be enough to have the confidence that we need to follow God and trust him right there, that there is nothing that God has started in your life that he will not bring to completion. The willingness that we have to move forward with God at that point will be directly proportional to the amount of faith that we have in him. The smaller the concept of God that we have, the larger our problems are going to be. In fact, if our problems seem too big for our God, then our God is not God Almighty. He's not the one true God. If, if your problems or my problems seem that God are too big for God to handle, we are not trusting in God Almighty at all. Because he, he is the one who is able to see us through. He is the one who will keep us from falling. He is the one who is able to present us faultless before the presence of our mighty God. With exceeding joy, we can be presented to God. And if he is not able to do that to you, he is not the God that I'm speaking of today. Because our God is an awesome God. Our God is a mighty God. He is wonderful. He is all-powerful. He is all-knowing. There is nothing that our God cannot do. He is the one that is over all things. He is the one that is in all things. He is the one that is through all things. And without him, nothing that has been made has been made. Nothing that was has been not been made. And so when God calls you, he is more than able to get you through more than able to see it through to completion to what he is calling you to do. So whatever it is that God is calling you to do, it may be that we will be brought or led through to a crisis of belief. But we spoke about that last week as well. It will require faith and it will require action. You may not have to sacrifice, I said this last week, you may not have to sacrifice your son. But I am confident that what God calls you to do, when he calls you, will be something that will always require faith and action. Faith is always the requirement. It's always a trust in God. And so when he comes to Moses, he requires him to trust him. We think self-centeredly. We think we have to accomplish the work that God has for us in our own power, and we don't have to do that. 
So we have to accomplish the work that God is calling us. With his help, he will do that. We think, I can't do that. That's not possible. And you're right. It's not possible to do those things in our own strength and with your current resources. When God calls us, he is calling us to do the work that only he can do. He is leading us to do work that he has prepared for us. The work is not our work at that point. The work is his work. We join him in his work and he provides us with his resources. He provides us with everything that we need. So if we think that we can't do it with the resources that we have, the understanding that we have, the ability that we have, We are absolutely right in that because we cannot do it. But with God, it is possible. And when Jesus surprised the disciples about that same thing, when he said how hard it is for a person with lots of money to be able to get into the kingdom of heaven, he said when Jesus explained to the disciples when they they were gasped at that, If they can't get into heaven doing their own thing and working their way there, who can get into heaven? Listen to what Jesus says in Mark 10. He says, with men it is impossible, but not with God. With God, all things are possible. The calling that God has given you may look impossible at this moment in time. It may be impossible for man, but with God, all things are possible. It may be impossible with the resources that you currently have. It is impossible. It isn't even in our power to be able to do that. But it is with God. All things are possible, Jesus said. And the scriptures bear witness to that very issue, the very fact over and over and over again that when God calls us he will spring to completion all things are possible we can trust him he is trustworthy which leads me into the point number four for today he will meet your needs our needs perhaps one of the best known parts of this whole situation on Mount Sinai at this particular point in time is Moses's response to what God asks him I want you to lead my children, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. Look what Moses responds in verse 11. He says, but Moses says to God, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And so he said, I will certainly be with you. And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Then Moses said to God, indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they say to me, what is his name? Name? What shall I say to them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said to them, thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. Then over the course of this conversation, over the next part of the first part of the next chapter, Moses argues with God telling him all the reasons that he's not able to do the job that God is calling him for. All the things that are too hard. 
in, in the next chapter, verse 1, he says, but suppose they won't believe me or listen to my voice. Suppose they say the Lord hasn't appeared to you. God answers him. He gives him assurances. But, but even then, Moses is not comfortable. He goes on in, in verse 10. He says, oh Lord, I'm not eloquent enough. I can't speak clearly. Neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, have I been able to speak clearly. I'm slow of speech. And I'm slow of tongue. In other words, I just can't get the words out right, God. I'm not the right man. I'm not the right person to lead the people out of Israel. How can I even speak? I can't even get two words together. And God reassures him. But he goes on in verse 13 and he says, Oh Lord, please send by the hand of someone else. I'm not ready. What a human moment in Moses' life and testimony at that moment in time. The call that God was placing upon his life at that moment was so overwhelming and filled with risk. And Moses knew that. He was feeling the weight of that. He, his heart was fearful. He was feeling inadequate. He was reluctant to, to follow on. And the reality is that that is why God needed Moses at this moment in time to take this mission. It was because Moses was inadequate that the glory of God would shine through, that it would be shown to be God doing the work, not that Moses would be doing the work. It was never about Moses' ability. It was only ever about his availability. And it isn't always easy for us to hear what God wants us to specifically do. It's not just easy for us to understand what God's call on our life is. It's not always easy for us to even live out the call that God has on our life. But the good news is that we don't have to do it on our own, nor can we do it on our own. It won't, if, if this is a task that God is calling you to do, it will not be possible for you to do on your own. You will be inadequate with your own human resources, with your own human strength. And God constantly reminds Moses that I will be with you. I will guide you. Tell them I am has sent you. I will give you signs, he says, to show Pharaoh. I'll stand beside you. They'll eventually, Pharaoh will believe you, but, and the Israelites will know that I have been with you and I am guiding you. Just trust me on this, Moses. And, and God continues to work with Moses at this point. I will be with your mouth. Who created your mouth in the first place? I'll teach you, he says, what to say. And I'll do it for you. And he'll do it well. Here's the thing. When Moses asked the question, who am I? The who am I question doesn't even really count. The, the question is, am I willing to trust God? It is God who matters. It's 
not who am I at all. It's God who is that matters. It's not a matter of my strength or my wisdom or my qualifications or, or my abilities or anything at all to do with me. God is only seeking an instrument, a man, a woman, a child. He's only seeking someone through which he might be able to do his work, that where he could ask us to join us, join him in doing his work. And that's what he's asking of Moses. And that's what he's asking of each one of us, even today. God is more than able to do what he has called us to do. But he asks us to join him in his work. He is able, Ephesians 3 tells us, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly more than all we could ask or imagine according to the power that is at work within us. So the question number four is this. Are you willing to let go and let God control your life today? Are you willing? God is able to do far more through you than you or I could do in our own strength. Far more. Every single time, he is able to do way more than you and I could do in our own strength. And the good news is that he has promised, just as he promised Moses, he has promised that he will be with us even to the end of the age. Matthew 28. I will be with you even to the end of the age. And God knows that when he calls you, that he knows that you're weak. He knows your weak areas. He knows that you're scared. He knows that you're vulnerable. He knows that you're human and where our human thinking can sometimes distract us. He knows that we may not even have all that we need right now necessary to do what he has called us to do. But he calls us nevertheless. And you know that he's calling. You know because inside right now, some of you are experiencing that sense, that small still voice that says, I want you, you have a job, I'm calling you. Just as he said to Moses, I will certainly be with you. Why not take the chance? Seek counsel with someone that you can trust. If, God, if you sense God is calling you, find someone that you can pray with. Because the, the scriptures tell us that he will never leave us nor forsake us. He will see his work through to completion. Our responsibility is to trust him and to see him in all that we do. Moses was reluctant. He argued with God backwards and forth, but God used him mightily. In fact, as you head to the end of Moses' story, what you find is words to the effect that says there was no one who had met with God like Moses. Moses was the one who met God face to face. There was no one who had experienced 
the presence of God like Moses, nor before, nor perhaps even since. Take heart in the fact that God is not limited by your inabilities or your ability. He's only limited by our unwillingness to trust him. There is nothing too big that our God cannot do. And I challenge you today, I challenge you to take this step of faith. Take the step of faith for yourself and make yourself available for him right now. Don't put it off. Don't make too many questions. Don't worry about what may be. Because if God has called you, he is more than able to see that through to completion. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for your care for us in this way, that you do call us, that you have a plan for us, that you are intimately interested in what we are doing at any particular point in time. And so, Father, I pray today that as we seek you, that we would recognise that we, can, we may very well right now be in the place where we can hear you and you are trying to get our attention. Father, help us to listen well. Help us to honour you with the reverence you deserve. To not treat you with this familiarity that disregards your reverence and your authority and your power. But Lord, we give you thanks and, gra- and we're grateful for the fact that you invite us to become involved in the work that you are already doing. Help us to see with our own eyes and to experience with our own lives the work that you have called for us. And I thank you, Father, that you will provide for us every single step of the way, that you who call us is faithful, that you will meet all of our needs, that you will provide for us. And I pray today that as we seek you, as you speak through to us, that our response will be, here I am. Use me, take me, mould me, make me into your servant evermore. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.